evening. Uh, I know we're here this evening to talk about the domestic mission work and the work in Ukraine. But before we do that, I would like to say, say a few words. Since 1988, that's a long time. How many of you guys weren't even born back in 1988? That's a long time ago. But since 1988, this church has supported Brad Willits in Africa. And Brad has been about the duty of writing the, the, uh, translating the Word of God into the Susu language. And I want to read you an excerpt from a newsletter that he put out about three weeks ago. Listen to this. In April, after a week of teaching 30 Christians how to lead a Bible study with their neighbors, we had the dedication of the Susu New Testament that we have been working on for the past 22 years. Over 100 people were reverently sitting on mats without their shoes. We sang, we prayed, we preached, and then our son, John Mark, got up and read. He read God's word in their mother tongue. It was hard to force back the tears. May God use his word to bring forth fruit. Amen, amen, and amen. Brad has been working on this, this translation for 22 years. It is now in print. Estel was here last month and brought a copy to me to present to the church. And we're going to keep this probably back in the display rack uh, for you to look at or to, to anytime you'd like to see this. But thank you for your prayers on behalf of Brad. He continues to work with other translations at this time. He's in Sudan, I believe. So thank you for praying for Brad, and the Word of God is getting out there. Thank you. Just like to, uh, first of all, thank the eldership for the opportunity this year. It was a blessing to be a part of the Owington campaign and to be able to lead that group of 30 individuals uh, up to Owington, Kentucky, um, and to spend a week um, knocking doors and working with people and praying together and singing together and worshiping together every night. Um, I always feel like uh, when you do campaign work, sometimes you receive as much blessing, if not more, um, than anyone else that you may have come in contact with for the week. I just have a few short things to say, and then I'm going to have Brother Clay Batts um, come up and tell us about the time that he spent um, in Owington. If you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 10. And this, this is about a cheerful giver, and normally we use this when we talk about uh, our contribution but, you know, as we learned this morning, any time that you give kindness, any time that you give something, it, it takes time, and time is very important. So I'd like to apply that to this. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is where I want to key in on. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, and that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. You know, God gives us everything that we need on a daily basis. And this is a lesson that I truly learned this year. 
Um, I was very concerned. Uh, before we went to Owington, there were many things that had to come together. They had a building that wasn't finished. Uh, we weren't sure how many people we were going to have on the campaign, if we would have enough people to, to knock all the doors there to do the work. Um, the last week before we left, our office staff um, became sick, and due to illness, we had to, to shuffle and find someone else to, to fill the spot of secretary, um, and Ms. Sandra Whittle stepped up for us and, and took care of that. Um, the weather was always a concern in the middle of summer, um, especially when you have you know, folks that are out on the streets. Um, but things were provided, and God took care of, of all these things um, as we see, saw them unfold throughout the week. We had visitors every night of the week. We had over 50 in attendance. Um, there was about 30 of us, so we had about another 20 people every night at the gospel meeting. So many people got to hear Brother David Shannon speak. Um, we had a first this year on our state side. We were, had enough teenagers that came through the week that we had a teenager class, and that was led by Brother Mitch, Mitch Poscovich and, and um, Brother Pat Hackney. They uh, were able to go and, and take five, six, seven teenagers um, to another class and to teach them. And even on Sunday morning, we were able to have that Bible class as well. Um, even the table, uh, there was a necessity. Bill had a laundry list, the preacher there, Bill um, Dayton, uh, he and his wife were the only two that were going to be at this church on the first Sunday. Um, so luckily we were able to be there and to help them get started. But he had a laundry list of things that he needed. And by the time we got to Owington, all those things had been fulfilled. Different churches uh, there in Kentucky, different churches in the area provided all these things that he needed. Um, he needed one more thing. They did not have a, a Lord's Supper table that they felt was you know, adequate to, to serve the Lord's Supper and uh, as they were driving out a back road one day, they just happened to see this table sitting out alongside the road. And uh, it was $10, and they stopped and, and offered the lady $10. And when she found out that it was for the church, she just gave it to them. So uh, God even provided the things that they needed on a physical basis um, to get these things going. The campaign was uh, very successful. I'd like to, I'll go ahead and throw some numbers out there. Many of you are, are interested probably in that. I'd like to say thank you to, to David Glisson. Many of the folks while we were up there took photos um, while we were in Owington. Um, and I'll probably forget someone, but David, Mark, uh, Joe, Miss Sandra, I think Mitch took some pictures as well. But David Glisson put this uh, video together for us. So I hope you enjoy seeing the faces there of the folks who participated. <clears throat> um, but I also, I, I need to throw some numbers out there. We knocked on 2,380 2, doors while we were in Owington. Uh, we talked to, we had 1,000 people that we talked to. We had almost 100 folks that were willing to give us their name and number and, and be interested in uh, being more contact um, on a later basis. We had 15 Bible studies while we were there, and we had seven baptisms while we were there. Uh, and as I said, we had over 50 people every night. Uh, that were coming in and uh, joining us in worship service. Since we have left, um, and to me that's always a big thing, you go into a campaign and, and you work very hard that week and you feel like you've accomplished many things, but what happens after you leave? Well, since we have left, um, they still have had as many as 30 in attendance on a Sunday, um, and I think maybe 14 was the fewest that they had. And understand, they started this um, congregation a couple months ago with a preacher and his wife. So I think it's a blessing what they've been able to do, um, the things that God has been able to do, and the way that he used us. Brother Bill Dayton sent me a little note, and I asked him to, to tell me a few things, maybe some updates, and uh, some of these names may be familiar to some of you, some of them may not, but um, he said, hey Mike, 
He said there's no greater way to begin a work than a campaign. He said, you know the numbers, but the example that y'all displayed still lives on. He said, we still have a new visitor every time that the door is open. We're working with Kyle and Sarah. They live just down the street from us, as well as a new couple, Brian and Sherry. She's very interested in learning the truth. Uh, Rosemary Prather, who was one of the ladies that was baptized while we were there, she's doing well, and she's here for every service, as long as she doesn't have to work. Sue Ann and her children, and Sue Ann and her oldest daughter were both baptized while we were there. Um, They are coming, maybe not as often as we would like, but they're still there on a regular basis. Um, He said it was a blessing to have uh, Brother Clay Batts there for the summer. And those of you that may not know, after we got back from Owington, uh, Brother Shannon and probably some others saw a need um, that they needed some more help up there. So they asked Brother Clay Batts if he would go up and intern for the summer. So Clay went back up and spent about five weeks there. Um, As well, Brother Mark Ranks and Edith, they went up. Um, just a few weeks ago and spent a few days with them to help uh, do some follow-up work as well. So I definitely appreciate them and the hard work that they've done. Um, He said Trey was a a true blessing. He hated to let him go. Anything that needed to be done, he was the man, whether studies or cleaning the building. I understand he even mowed a few yards while he was there. But uh, he said, what a Barnabas. So the seeds that he planted will grow for sure. And he appreciated Mark and Edith as well and the work they've done. Um, they're the only two men there. Uh, J.R. McCoy and Bill are the only men in the congregation. He says, we're outnumbered, so we're praying that the Lord will send us some guys, some brothers. He said, uh, we're not sure what y'all have done and what you... Uh, he said, not sure if you know what you all have done and what you mean to us. You've been such a blessing to the Lord's church in Owington. May God bless you and as you have blessed us. And they look forward to seeing us very soon. So... He's always appreciative whenever I talk to Bill about the things that uh, Mount Juliet has done and the, the prayers um, that have been sent out. Uh, Brother David Glisson, as I said, if you saw the UK emblem on the back of that cow, those of you that know David will understand. Um, I definitely just like to, again, thank everyone that was a part of the campaign. Um, it was a blessing to have my wife there with me for the week and the work that she did and Miss Carol. Uh, they took care of feeding. 50 people every day for for a week. It was so good to have them there. Um, Back to verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That's all we can do is go out and share the word of God, share the good news of Jesus Christ, sow that seed, and God will water and he will will grant the increase. So I encourage, encourage you as always to Get involved, be a part of, of any campaign that you can, any work here at Mount Juliet, anything we do, God will be glorified as long as we give him the credit. So let's use our cards this next month. Brother Clay. Good evening. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It was Tuesday, June 28, 2011, this year, and me and Dad were headed to uh, the church building. We were going to help with the Destination Unknown, and uh, we got there. We were helping with Shannon Buckner, and we were going to take the kids out to see a movie and go swimming. And right before we left, David Shannon came up to me, and he asked me what I was doing this summer. And I said, you know, David, I really am doing absolutely nothing. And so he said, I've got an awesome opportunity for you. Have you heard about Owenton, Kentucky? And I had, I really, I heard about the stateside mission trip, but I really had no idea what was going on. And, uh, and he, he was telling me that Bill Dayton, the preacher up there, was needing some help. 
you know, he was needing help leading worship service because he and JR are the only men up there. And so he was going to need some help. He's going to need help leading worship service and also help with the teen class and the church growth up there. And so um, I prayed about it a lot. I came back and talked with my family. I talked with my mom and dad. My mom's actually here tonight, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, Chelsea is also here with me, my fiance. And I talked with them quite a bit about the work that, that David was telling me about. And I prayed about it for a long time and talked with them. And I was so excited about doing this work. And so just a few days later, I packed up my bags and I headed north. And just like the verse in verse uh, 5 of chapter 4, there was going to be times of suffering probably. There's going to be times where I, I didn't understand exactly what was going to happen. I wasn't sure what the situation was up there, but it was northern Kentucky. And I know that the church was small and it had just started, but I was ready to do work. And so that's what I did. And so uh, the June campaign that happened, uh, Mike was telling a little bit more about that. Um, there, was, there was many people that were brought to Christ during that week. There are many people that, that began uh, as Christians, their, their new lives, and I was up there to help encourage them along the way. And so that's what I was up there for. Uh, one week, Mark Rinks and Edith came up there, and they helped to knock doors. There was a stack of contact cards, probably like three and a half inches tall, and in one afternoon, he went through every single one of them, every single one of them. To see something encouraging as that, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. Uh, you know, he, he was out door knocking with me. It was probably like a hundred and eight degrees every single day when he was up there, but he would not leave a door until he knew that someone had been talked to or if he knew that they weren't there. He would not leave the door, and I was there to, to witness that. Um, so it was, it was really encouraging work. Uh, like, like Mike said, it started off with just uh, Bill and his wife, Laura. It was just two people that was, that was starting the church out, and uh, one week, one Sunday, we had 30 people in attendance. And to see that, to start out with just two to three people at one point and grow all the way to 30 uh, was so encouraging. I was so thankful to see that. Um, we got to the point to where we had a children's class, a teens class, and an adult class. And so I was, I was kind of in charge in teaching the teen class, uh, talking with them about different topics that were appealing to teens. And uh, at one point, we had uh, seven kids in class one night. And uh, it was just so, it was so good to see, see the growth. Uh, there was so much growth. Uh, that was happening this summer in Owenton. As far as my responsibilities, I was teaching the kids. Um, I was also helping to lead singing and uh, preach up there on some Sundays. And uh, throughout the week, me and Miss Laura, uh, she would oftentimes bake banana bread for people that were new to the, to the community, people that were visiting. We'd go out there and take bread to them and talk to them. And also me and, uh, me and Bill would go and do some Bible studies as well. Uh, you heard about Rosemary Prather. Uh, she was baptized during the campaign, and then she stopped coming for a while, and me and Bill went over there and did a study with her, and that same day, she came back to service, and she's been attending faithfully ever since, and it just shows you what, what work can do, and you know, sometimes it takes uh, the courage and the, the ability just to go out to, to be with someone, to let them know that you love them, uh, for them to come back, and that's, and that's what was needed, and that's what's needed up there, is they, they, need, to, they need to see love. It's such a small community but their hearts are open, and they want to know the truth, and, and that's what we're there for. And that's what we need to continue to be there for. For the future, they are, they're currently searching for uh, some people to help with, with the teens and the, and the younger children, uh, and also with men for worship service, because like I said, it's only Bill and JR, and um, you know, they, they need help. And, and that's what they're going to continue to search for. They, uh, Bill and Laura, have attended the Cane Ridge Lectureships down the, up there, 
and also polishing the pulpit down in Gatlinburg, getting their name out and letting, them, letting people know about the congregation there and, and the work and the help that is needed. And so they are doing everything that they can, and it's a, it's a real encouragement uh, for the growth that they have had. I've got several friends down at Fried Hardeman University where I attend, and uh, I would love to make visits, you know, as, as often as I can and take some guys up with me to, you know, help with services, help Bill in any way that we can. And, uh, and I know that that work will, will be done here as well, that there will be many people going up and, and helping in any way that they can. Uh, I want to leave uh, with a verse tonight. My few minutes are up, probably, probably gone over the limit. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and starting in verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow's workers. You are God's field, God's building. Mount Juliet and myself and many other people have helped to plant the church, helped to water the church. But in the end, it's God that gives the increase. It's the people's heart that had to let God come in to make that increase. Um, and that's, that's what's been done. This has been uh, one of the best summers I've ever had. It's definitely been one of the most... When I was going up there, I wasn't exactly sure, but... I know that this work was for me. There is so much to be done up there, so much work to still be done, and it's been such an encouraging time while being up there. And I know that God will continue to provide for everything up there for them. I know that we will continue to support them in anything that they need and be there for them. Good evening. I want to introduce our speakers tonight for a report on our Ukraine work. I think it's important sometimes to, to go to the scriptures and realize that no matter what mission that we're in, whether we're in Owenton, Kentucky, or El Salvador, or Ukraine, or uh, Greece, or Africa, we're doing this for one reason, and that's because we want to save souls. And uh, Jesus gave us a great commission, and I'd like to read that. We've, we've read this many times, but it, it, it always bears repeating. In Matthew 8, uh, Matthew the 6th, the 28th chapter, beginning with verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There are souls that are lost, and that's why we go to the, the various places. We've been working with this uh, congregation in Ukraine for a number of years, actually many years. And uh, we had this, this particular year, we wanted to, to try to expand uh, our reach to the community. And so that's one of the reasons that, that I went ahead in advance of the other team that was going. The other reason was that I, I wasn't able to go in July because of work uh, limitations. But my purpose of going in, in the month of May was to, uh, to look at the possibility of, of finding a, a, a new meeting place for them, which they desperately need, because they are growing and they need, a new, a need, they need more, more room. And also, well, I, was, I was there to try to help prepare for the, coming, for the group that was coming in July 
on this extended idea that we had of having a gospel meeting to try to draw in people from the community. There was advertising done on TV and the newspaper, and there were handouts, and we did have a number of visitors, uh, always not as many as we would like, but that community is now more aware of the church there, that there is a church in that town. And that's why it's also important that they have a building because that will give another uh, important uh, landmark so that they'll know that, that, that there is a church of the, of the gospel, a church of the Lord's there in that town. In July, there were a group of ten that went. And uh, one, of their, one of their goals, the, the men that were working there, their goal was to try to, to look into the possible acquiring of a building, acquiring of land, acquiring a property. And there's a lot of legal aspects that have to be uh, worked out, but they made significant progress. And they may be, I don't know if someone may be telling you about that a little bit later. Uh, perhaps David will. But uh, after we returned, we were able to, to meet together and we talked about all these legal things that had to be done. Uh, there's been some positive steps taken. Uh, there's a, a, one of our translators, Masha, she, she actually lives in the States and she has agreed to help us on this side of the, the ocean. And there's a, a lady there in Ukraine uh, named Natasha that's well-versed in legal matters over there and she is going to help us over there. So I'm, I'm asking that, uh, that you pray for this, pray for this church, help it to grow. Uh, and it, the only reason is to save souls, and that's why we're there. Tonight, uh, Matt Brown will speak to you. He was uh, our, one of our young people that went over there, and he will speak to you about his uh, involvement and what all went on over there. And David Fleming will, will conclude the report. When we got back from our trip to Ukraine, we were all given a prompt and to write a summary. Just uh, your thoughts, ideas, the good, the bad of the trip, that sort of thing. And there was one line on the prompt that really stuck out with me. It said that when you return home from a mission trip, you're on fire. When someone asks you how the trip went, you want to tell them every sight, every sound, what the settings were like, your emotions, your feelings about all the people, every experience you had, you want to fill them in on it. But in reality, most people just want to hear that you had a good trip. So how is it that when we come back from this trip, we can inspire other people to be inspired? It's a difficult task as we're so passionate for the work that we were just a part of, while the people back in the States not being able to experience it can't truly grasp the significance of it. So hopefully this evening, as we talk about the trip, you will be inspired as well. Um, typical, we traveled over there, and uh, on the very first Saturday, we landed on Friday night, and Saturday morning, we had a kickoff for our VBS. And the VBS was something that we did every day uh, during the week in the mornings. It was held at the local park, and um, we had a very good turnout. I know in the teen class, we had at least nine kids every day, and in the younger uh, smaller children's class. Some days we had even double that. A lot of it were familiar faces, kids who, who you know from over the years and had developed a good relationship with. Then, on the other hand, you have those with no exposure to the gospel of Christ. 
I know a few of us were talking to a young man one day, and he was asking us, do you all drink, smoke, party, any of that kind of thing? And we just told him, no. And he, he was so blown away because it's so different from anything that he's used to. So while we're over there, they recognize that we're different. They realize that there's something about us that's unique, about this God that we believe in. Also, during the day uh, at the VBS, uh, after the lessons, we would always do something pertaining to water balloons. That's something that Sasha, the preacher over there, thoroughly enjoys. And so somebody got wet at least once a day. And then also during this time, uh, there's a man who attends church at Kresner Mies. Uh, his name is Ramon, and he's from a small town of Dimitrov. And currently he is in school to be a preacher, and he's working in his community to spread the gospel. And so a small group of us every day would head out to Dimitrov and conduct a VBS for the small children of that community. In the afternoons, it was kind of different. This was by far the busiest trip that I had been on, as uh, Mr. Tony just mentioned. The men would go to Donetsk during the day to acquire the property, while the ladies had a ladies' class on various days. So the afternoons were always kind of a mix-up, and you never really knew what was going to happen. But you know that good was going on. Um, after this, uh, about four o'clock in the evenings, we went to a place called the shelter and the shelter is a home for displaced children, similar to what DCS would put kids in today, whether their parents are unable to take care of them or they simply don't want their children. So these kids come from bad situations, bad lifestyles. And to be honest with you, it was very difficult at the park. You make such easy connections with the children. You laugh, you play around. But these kids, they kind of stood off to the side. They didn't, they were very hesitant to make any contact with you. But as it went on, we taught our lessons. We gave them crafts to do, and they loved their craft. They were all so diligent in making a beautiful piece of art. Um, a lot of these kids had disabilities, and uh, it was difficult to make connections, but we all had the sense and feeling that we had to be there. Then finally in the evening was the gospel meeting. And I think it's safe to say for the whole group that this is where we were the most pleasantly surprised. If you know Sasha, he's the preacher in his mid-twenties. He can be a little bit of a loose cannon. You can plan whatever you want to plan, but he kind of has his thing. And it doesn't always get uh, communicated very well. So you never really know what to expect out of Sasha. But every night after the gospel meeting where we talked about uh, how the church was founded, what we believe, what we do, uh, that type of thing, every one of us left with something new, a point that we had never considered before, whether it was myself or people who've been members of the church for nearly 50 years. We all left saying, wow, Sasha's getting everything together. So we know that the church is in good hands over there. There's a very passionate and a preacher who has a lot of zeal for the word of God. And... Uh, as I said, we were all just very, very impressed with this. So how does all this tie into us? What brings it home and connects us all together? When it, it comes time for a mission trip, we can always think of reasons why we shouldn't go. Well, Matt, that's a nine-hour plane ride, and I can barely keep myself entertained while I'm at school, let alone nine hours on a plane or or it takes, I mean, nearly a whole day to get over there, and I know you have to be tired, so, eh, what's it worth? Or, I can't miss work that long, or my family, and, well, what about Paul in Second Corinthians eleven twenty four, where he says, talking about the sufferings he endured, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And night and a day, I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, in cold and nakedness. Besides other things, what came upon me daily, my deep concern was for the church. Paul would have loved a 12-hour plane ride. His only concern, after being shipwrecked, being beaten, hungry, cold, his deep concern was for the church. It didn't matter to him the cost that he had to pay. He cared about spreading the gospel and making sure that the church was functioning the way it should. Well, Matt, that's great and all, but what about at the shelter? You said it was difficult to make a connection with those kids. I mean... I don't know, I'm not good around kids to begin with, and if those kids have such trouble, eh, why go? Well, James one twenty seven tells us that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. As uncomfortable as it may have been, as unpleasant as it was at times, if there was anyone on this trip that we should have seen, it was the children at the shelter. Those are the kids who need compassion, who need care, who need someone just to simply be there for them. They've been rejected and thrown around by so many people who are supposed to love them, and yet they have none of that. Those are the ones, if we want to have pure and undefiled religion, those are the very kids that we need to be reaching out to, making a difference. And then in 1 Corinthians 3... As Clay read part of this, uh, it talks about planting and watering the seed and different people can do it. But God is ultimately the one who provides the increase. In verse 10 it says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul had laid the foundation. That's what we do. Um, you may say to yourself, well, you know, whenever you come back from Ukraine, you don't hear of dozens of baptisms or new churches being started, restorations. You don't cure thousands of people from their diseases. So is it really a successful journey? Friends, if you define the success of a mission trip based on a number, then your priorities are wrong. We are going and laying the foundation, and we are beginning now to see that God is providing the increase. I think of a young girl named Danya who we had not met before, but Sasha had been studying with her. The seed had been planted. And after a couple studies and a few weeks gone, as the seed had been watered, she was baptized into Christ. A prime example of God providing the increase. Or I considered men like Ramon, who I was telling you about, who have been a part of that church for many years, but now they're getting to where they want to go out and reach others, to reach their own community, to learn how to be a preacher. It's like the expression, teaching someone to fish, you can feed them for a lifetime. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to lay the foundation and to build upon it in the way God would have us to build it. Back to the shelter, there was one thing I failed to mention. Uh, I guess in my opinion, the sweetest story of the trip, I was, uh, we were flying back from Ukraine and I was sitting on the plane with Miss Pat and she told me the story of a young blind girl who was at the shelter, and she had many other disabilities, 
but she loved to walk. And with being blind and, and disabled, it, it was hard for her to do that on her own. And Miss Pat was carrying her around by the arm, just walking. And as she would recount the story, she would say, I, mean, I couldn't say anything to her. She couldn't say anything to me. So I just began to sing, Jesus Loves Me. And as she went on singing the song and continuing, she says that the girl in English said to Miss Pat, Jesus loves me. Those are the reasons why we go to Ukraine. Those are the reasons we go to Kentucky or El Salvador to take the love of Jesus Christ. I hope that in our lifetime we are all afforded the opportunity to go on a mission trip whether it's Ukraine or El Salvador or anywhere in the world, I hope we all have that opportunity. And I hope when that opportunity comes that we don't go out of our way to make excuses to not go, but rather that we will go out of our way to make sure that we can go. Most of the time, we go on mission trips to change other people's lives. But in reality, we are the ones who come back changed. Thank you. If the Apostle Paul were alive and a member of Mount Juliet today, he would write at least two letters, and many others, I'm sure. One he would say to Matt Brown, my beloved son in the faith. To another one he'd say to Clay Batts, my beloved son in the faith. I think you've seen tonight two of our young men who have been dedicated uh, in their work toward improving the lives of others through the gospel in different places in the world. These are some of the reasons why we go, why we take the word to other people. The gospel's not ours. It belongs to God. It belongs to the world. And that's why, as we said, go and preach the word. Go to all the world and teach others that they may know that they may have the opportunity to come to Christ and be a part of that. We have been working, as, as was said, several years with the congregation in uh, Krasner, Mansk. And uh, they love us here. You don't see much of it. But in some of our pictures, you may not see it up there, but somebody has taken a picture of their wall. And on their wall, they have a picture of Mount Juliet Church of Christ, of our building. And they wanted us to have something from them, and this will go where you all can see it. But they gave us a memento of their city, showing a memorial that they are very happy to have. Uh, to show others, and it's a, it's a memorial from World War II, where the city in World War II was just about demolished. There were uh, thousands of people killed by the Germans, and the Germans liked the uh, dirt so well from, from that area that they took trainloads of the dirt from Krasner Mess back to Germany because it's, it's so rich, it's such rich soil. And uh, it's told that the uh, people of, of that country flooded the mines so that the Germans could not take the coal away from the country. We went to visit the school one day. David Burke and I were asked to go. And it was school number five. We got there and we saw a school that was run down. It was in good shape for what they could do. But they told us the story of that school. It had been built in like 1963, I think. And when they were excavating to build the foundations for the buildings, they came up on layers and layers of bones of bodies. And they found out that that area had been a concentration camp in World War II. 
when the Germans left, they slaughtered the people and put them in a grave, shallow graves. So they were, or they were dug up. So the kids there at that school are told this, that they might remember what was done to their people, that they might not have it do, happen again. And so the people there have a, have a proud and rich history, although poor and although in many ways uh, a lot of suffering going on through the communist, not communist years and through the years of uh, war with the Germans and others before them. Over many centuries, if you read the history of that country, there's been many battles over that country. This is a, a loving people, and they love you. And they would love to have a place to worship. <laughs> That's one of the places, uh, one of the things that we were looking at this year, as Tony said. Uh, we have looked into finding them property. Uh, we found one property that was shown to us by their minister. It's uh, uh, about a, a little over a quarter of an acre, as we would say, but it's a thousand square meters for under $10,000. We've got to find out if that's a good price for that good place. We found some builders that uh, are willing to build a building for us. And they can build it for maybe $60,000. But we've got to be sure that that's a good building and not, not just something thrown up there to fall down in the wind. There's several things we have to do. We can't just buy the property from here. Uh, somebody to buy the property has to go over there and stay and get permits. And there's a lot of red tape. So we're trying to cross those hurdles that we, with you and others, can try to find a place for them to worship. Right now they worship on, it's either the third or the fourth floor of, a, of an apartment house and there's no elevator and many of the ladies are in their 60s and uh, they're not of good health and they have to travel to get to the place of meeting. They have to climb four flights of stairs for the meeting, then go back down and then go back to their home by public transportation. Some of the ladies have cancer and can't come to the meeting. Uh, there are a lot of young children there now. And as you see in the pictures uh, at the park, when we went there, uh, as Matt said, he had several teenagers in the classes each day. And uh, I would like for, if you, have, if you can, uh, those who were on the team this year, we had 10 people on the team, please stand up, if you will. And I want you to see these people and ask them questions if you have it. Uh, there's Susan over here and others over in here. Uh, we have several ladies that put together uh, arts and crafts and things to use each year and they spend countless hours getting this together. Uh, the men tote the baggies sometimes and uh, uh, Buddy Pickler, if it wasn't him for him, we could not put this thing together uh, just like he does on the uh, uh, Central American Mission trips. Uh, he, he's the logistics manager and uh, the man who has answered all the questions and makes it work and we appreciate him. And uh, David Berker, if you know him, he was over there and he found out Anya, young lady, uh, he could study with her. And he helped uh, put the direction to her that she was, uh, uh, after we left, she was later baptized. And uh, hopefully there will be one or two others from our contact that will accept Christ uh, too. And Matt, uh, you've seen what Matt had to say. His reports that he gave us uh, that we asked for were wonderful. And I think uh, we can have good out of that. We do appreciate you sending us. And we do appreciate your support. And all of the works that we do here and other places, we need to do that. We need to do it here. We need to do it down the street. We need to do it across our nation and around the world. And we're giving a, a charge, as Timothy was, by Paul. Uh, Paul loved Timothy as his son, and he wanted him to be a good minister of God's word. And so he tells him in uh, chapter 4, which is something that's relative to our own times, 
In chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That was given to Timothy, but it applies to us as well. And in chapter 3, he tells Timothy in verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself. Approve to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we ask ourselves the question, am I dividing the, the word of truth the way I should? If I see somebody that uh, I don't know that comes to the building, uh, do I introduce myself? Do I make sure that visitors are welcome? Uh, I know we've all gone to other congregations to visit, and when you go uh, uh, and you walk in, what do people do to you? Do they say hello and how are you and where are you from? Or do they just kind of ignore you and hope you'll go sit down so they have to talk to you? Do we do that to others? We need to be, we need to be Christians in fact and in deed and not just in name. Many times life throws us a curve. And there's not a one of us here who have not fallen by the wayside and have gone the way that we should not go and sin before God. We need to be reminding ourselves of that. And if we have something that we have done that needs to be confessed before God, either between us and God or in front of others in a group like this, we need to make sure that we do that. Uh, the Bible says, be sure your sins find you out. We need to do that before it's too late. We have opportunity and time here, but once we draw that last breath, we don't have a chance anymore. So we know by looking around us, our loved ones, that our parents or others that went before us, they're gone now. We can't speak to them in this life. We want to be able to speak to people in this life, give them the true word of God, and not only give it to them, but live it before them. So tonight, if you have a need to come forward and, and express yourself in prayer before God, or if you need to become a Christian, we would like to help you do that. So at this time, if you would, please come as we stand and we sing.